Welcome to the True Vine Podcast. Wherever you are listening, we hope this inspires you, builds your faith, and brings perspective that God is moving in your life. Enjoy the message. Praise the Lord. It's good to be back with you again. I want to deal with a subject tonight in prophecy that talks about the signs of the times. And uh, those are very important to some people. They really want to know what's going on around them. There are people that walk amongst us that may not even be religious or in the church, but they can see things happening and know that these are the last days. It never seems to stop amazing me when someone comes up, finds out you're a preacher, and then they begin to say, well, I know these are the last days because these things can't continue on. And the more I delve into their life, they're not even part of a church, They don't, but they see what's happening around them, and they know that these are the last days, and truly we are living in the last days, and the coming of the Lord is at hand, and destruction will follow upon the last 70th week of Daniel's prophecy and of the book of Revelation. But I want to talk about some of these signs of the times that are given, which herald the approach of the last days. There is, is of course, no knowledge uh, that we have or given to us as the exact time of the rapture. There is, however, a number of signs which show the nearness of the end and the nearness of the coming of the Lord. And we have only to look around us to see how close we are to the end. I want to point out several of these, and I'm sure there are other things that we could deal with, but I'm going to try to bring the biggest uh, measures of these into these Areas. I'll, I'll use number one as the sign of increase. This sign is the most prominent sign given in the Bible. There will be an increase in many things in the world. The sign of increase is literally the most prominent because it can be applied to all other of the signs that are given in Scripture. And there will be an increase into the end. Daniel chapter 12 and verse 4 says, But thou, O Daniel, Shut up the word, seal the book, even unto the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall be increased. And there will be and has been an increase in knowledge worldwide. Look where we're at now. Uh, we have gone so far as not only did we reach the moon, and not only have we built a space station, but now the next step that uh, our president is talking about is sending someone to Mars. And friend, you can't you can't have a eight month trip propelled by fuels through space to send humans to land on a place called Mars and then literally bring them back and and show the world that we have succeeded with our knowledge and capabilities to do what most would say is and totally impossible. But I foresee, should the Lord tarry, these things will come to pass. Of course, they will not find life on other planets because God created one earth and made it habitable for man. But they'll, of course, use all kinds of scientific ideals that will try to prove that there was life elsewhere and that we are not alone in the universe, uh, which would be a sad thing for the world to hear because of the fact that they would literally think, well, then this thing about God has got to be a falsehood. But I'm here to tell you, if God created other 
humanities, other lives and life forms with souls, he would have had to die for them also because sin is part of the makeup of disobedient men, disobedient humanity or disobedient lives. Second Timothy 3.13 says, But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Evil men, seducers, they'll wax worse. In other words, it's going to increase. Psalms 115 and 16, the heaven, even the heavens are the Lord's, but the earth hath he given to the children of men. God gave dominion by, to man over the earth and over all the creatures of the earth. And he told man to multiply upon the face of the earth. And this multiplication has accomplished to such an extent that there is a fantastic overpopulation of this world that we live in. And it points to the end of God's plan for mankind. China and India have exceeded the 1 billion mark. I believe China is 1.7 and, and India is 1.3 in people themselves. So they've, they've constituted a third of the world's population in two places. Uh, it's hard to fathom in this last hour how that will happen. Matthew 24 and 12 says, And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. And so iniquity is growing. Iniquity is increasing in this world. And the love of God is getting colder and colder in the hearts of mankind. So there is a great increase, but increase is not always good. It can be perilous to our souls. Number two is the signs of the past. And I'll use Noah and Lot by scripture. Matthew 24, verse 37, 39. But as the days of Noah were, so also shall the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying, giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered into the ark, and knew not until the flood came and took them all away. So shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. And then Luke 17 Verse 26 through 27, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be also in the days of the Son of Man. They did eat, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. So Genesis chapter 6, verses 1 through 7 and verse 11 through 12 tells us when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, daughters were born in them. The sons of God saw the daughters of men that were fair. They took them wives of all they chose. And the Lord said, my spirit shall not all this mixing of marriage from the righteous seed to the unrighteous seed. God said, my spirit shall not always strive with man and that he is also flesh. His day shall be 120. And this begins the uh, knocking away of long life going from when they had men like Methuselah, 969 years old, all the way down now that men's lives will be numbered 120 years and they will be subject to die. <clears throat> God saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth. Every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continual and it repented God. At what point does God finally come to the point to literally be repented that he created man on the earth it grieved him at his heart and the lord said i will destroy man whom i have created from the face of the earth both man and beast and creeping thing fowls of the air for it repenteth me that i have made them the earth also was corrupt before the lord 
So not only was mankind corrupt, but the earth was corrupt and in chaos. The earth was filled with violence. So from the Garden of Eden, when the lion laid with the lamb, the hawk was not a meat eater, and all of these carnivorous beasts were not inactive. Uh, as soon as sin entered in the garden, everything changed. And so the, the increase of violence happens, not only amongst mankind, but amongst the creatures of the earth. And the Bible said all flesh had corrupted his way in the earth. So there's a direct parallel to the last days. <clears throat> uh, Matthew 24, 38 says, For as in, in the days that were before the flood, eating and drinking, marrying, giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered into the ark. And the Bible says in Luke 17, 27, they ate, they drank, they married. Wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered in the ark, and the flood came and destroyed them all. Noah's days, eating, drinking, marrying, giving in marriage. And these are the things that still drive the basic base nature of man. You must have food, water, dwelling, safety, marriage, or companionship. <clears throat> and so when these things happen, it brought about a multiplying of the population. It brought about unholy marriages. It brought about evil thoughts and imaginations continually corruption before God, and the earth was filled with violence. This gave us a sign to look forward to, that we know now what happened then can come to pass today. And then he goes on to the days of Lot. Likewise also, and this is Jesus telling both of these past ventures. Likewise also in the days of Lot, they did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built it. But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven, destroyed them all. Even thus shall it be in the day that the Son of Man is revealed. And then he says, remember Lot's wife. Genesis 18, 20 through 21. And the Lord said, because the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and because their sin is very grievous, I will go down now and see whether they have done altogether according to the cry of it, which is coming to me. And if not, I will know. Now, here's the difference. When you see Noah's day, it's a multiplying of, of population, unholy marriages, evil thoughts and imaginations continually, corruption before God, the earth is filled with violence. But it is marriage that is a key focal point in that portion of time of man's falling away. But when you get to Lot's day, it says they ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built it. In other words, commerce became part of their downfall. It was all about making money, prospering, and having more things. But there was also no marriage mentioned in Lot's day. And the reason that is, is because they had literally turned themselves over to the abomination of homosexuality. And this was a big difference between Noah's day from the first outpouring of judgment to the second outpouring of judgment and Jesus is saying, listen to the sign of the past, and where are we at today? We're in a God-forsaken, godless generation that literally wants to tell our children they can make the decision of what sexual orientation they are of. Literally, they can decide 
whether they're male and female, not by how they're born, but how they feel or what they think. My friend, children can't make decisions. You know why? Because they put their finger into light sockets. They put bobby pins into electrical sockets. They put their hands on red stoves that are hot and they don't understand because they don't know. They don't know not to drink poison. They don't know not to take pills that are on the shelf. They don't know. They're not old enough. That's why they have parents to teach them what to do. A child cannot make a decision of sexual orientation or sexual being. He doesn't, he doesn't even know these things. So for us to be fools enough to say that our five-year-old, four-year-old can tell us whether they're male or female or transgender and where in the world that came from, uh, it's the sickness of this generation. Our minds are perverted and corrupted. And instead of being the parents that we need to be to lead children, to teach children the right things, we have fallen prey to a generation of liberality and ungodliness. Beware, please beware. We are not of that sort. So as that generation of Noah was, so shall it be in the last days. As that generation of Lot was, so shall it be in the last days. Jude 7 Verse 7 says, even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh, are set forth for an example, sign of the past, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire that is going to come. So in Lot's day, they ate, drank, bought, sold, planted, built, and committed abominations. Because the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great, Genesis 18 and 20, and because their sin is very grievous, God rained down fire and brimstone upon those people and literally destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah never to rise again. But the spirit, hear me now, the spirit of Noah's day never drowned in the flood. The spirit of Lot's day never burned in the fire. Those spirits are alive and well today and are amongst this world in which we live. And we must be aware by the sign of the past that we do not fall prey in this day, the last day, with these same things coming to pass. Thirdly, I want to talk about the sign of apostasy. Second Thessalonians 2 and 3. Let no man deceive you by any means. For that day shall not come except there come a falling away first and that man of sin be revealed the son of perdition, which is the Antichrist. There is going to be a great falling away, an apostasy from the truth of the simple word of God. Second Timothy chapter four, verse three and four. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. They shall turn away their ears from the truth and be turned unto fables. Do you know that we're living in a generation that believes more in Star Trek, Star Wars, and aliens than they do in the Word of God? Do you know it's easier to convince people of Disney characters than it is to convince them of the mighty God in Christ? And yet it has been held true for centuries, and yet these things are created by men for our pleasure to our eyes and our minds, 
and we fall prey to believing they are true when they are nothing but falsehoods and lies. Those are fables. People will believe fables. That's why people believe in aliens. My friend, I, I have a big problem with this alien thing. And, this, and, and just let me use this as a prime example. If aliens are a higher form of intelligence, why are they always landing in cornfields with cows and some of the dumbest among us? Why are they always visiting people who cannot get out of their trailer without yelling at their dogs and cats to get out of the way? Why are they talking to people who don't have an education to realize anything, but yet they can reveal to us a story of, I saw the saucer coming down. I saw the light take my cow, Mabel, and I don't know who they were, but they were little green men. If these men are such intelligent and highly uh, intelligent above us as humans, why don't they land at MIT? Why don't they land? If they, got, if they know so much, if they're so smart, why are they taking cows and dumb people? Why don't they take somebody smart? Why don't they go to Washington and take the House of Representatives or the Senate? What? Hello? I'm just saying. Of course, that's my little pet peeve, so we'll bypass that and move on to something more powerful. Men will not endure sound doctrine, have teachers who are will fulfill their own lust. They will be turned away from the truth and they'll be turned to follow fable. Things that are made up, man-made, and lies will lead them to destruction. Second Peter 2, verses 1 and 2. But there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you, who privately shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them, and bring upon themselves swift destruction. And many shall follow their pernicious ways, by reason of whom the way of truth shall be even evil spoken of. So false teachers are in this last hour. Damnable heresies are in this last hour. Taking a portion of the word of God and making it a doctrine. When the Bible teaches us, it's line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little, there a little. That's why the word of God is so powerful. It's a foundational truth from Genesis 1 all the way through Revelation. It does not change and you can follow it through the scripture, line upon line, precept upon precept. Denying God, many will follow the leading of pernicious. The word pernicious means destructive or exceedingly harmful ways. That's these teachers. And the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. We're seeing that right now today, that people literally are making fun and mockery of the truth. And the harder we hold on to it, the more they call us a cult or crazy. Matthew 24 and 5, for many shall come in my name saying, I am Christ, and they will deceive many. Luke 21 and 8 says, and he said, take heed that you be not deceived. For many shall come in my name saying, I am Christ, and the time draweth near. Go ye not therefore after them. Many will come in the name of Jesus Christ and shall deceive many. That's why we have people like Jim Jones, the thousands die at their hand poison, Kool-Aid, and heresies, doctrines that destroy men's lives and damn their souls. God, help us in this last hour to preach the truth and to save every soul we can lay our hands to. False teachers have arisen and shall deceive many. 
So the church must stand true and preach the truth of the word of God in these times and seasons. Number four is the sign of spiritualism. First Timothy 4, 1 through 2. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. We're living in that generation right now, spiritualism. And people always talk about spirit things and they see things and everybody wants to have psychic abilities. But it even falls prey in the church when men claim to have words from God that are contrary to Scripture. Friend, if it doesn't line up with the Scripture, I don't care what the prophecy is. I don't care what the word from the Lord is. If it doesn't line up with the word of God, it is heresy. You mark that down. You always gauge everything that you hear. These are seducing spirits in the latter times. And men will fall prey to seducing spirits and thinking they will become popular and famous because they have a word no one else has. Friend, I've got a word that will lead you out of darkness into a marvelous light. And everybody needs to have this word. Not just one, not just a handful, but everybody. So I stay away from things that are not of God or not of the word. And I stick to the word and I watch it carefully. And just because a word comes across from someone and you say, well, that felt good. Well, it's not about feeling good. It's about feeling truth. And the truth will set you free. They departed from the faith. They gave heed to seduce. These are seducing spirits. These spirits have the ability to seduce men away from truth and into hypocrisies, doctrines of devils. And their conscience becomes seared with a hot iron because they say, I'm right. The word of God's wrong. I'm right because I have a special word from God that no one else has. This has led many a men down a path of destruction. Men like William Branham, who lost out because he was seduced by spirits that brought about doctrines of devils. So we have to be very careful in this last hour not to have seduction from spirits that are contrary Know the spirit, the Bible says, try the spirit and know it be of God and follow after him. Number five is the sign of scoffers. Second Peter three, three through five, knowing this first, that there shall come in the last day scoffers walking after their own lust, saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. For this they willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water. These scoffers walk after their own lust, and they begin to question the promise of Christ coming back after his church. They begin to question the promise of a rapture. They begin to question the promise of a heaven or of a hell. And we're living in that generation right now where men reject the idea that there is a heaven or hell. This is all there is to it, this life. If this is all there is to it, like Paul said, I am of all men most miserable. But this is not what the end is. The end is I have an eternal soul that has to go back to the one who gave it to me. And I have to give an answer for the life I have lived. I want to be ready to meet him. I want to hear him say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Not hear him say, depart from me, you that work iniquity. 
So they willingly are ignorant of the truth. In other words, even though they know what the word of God says and know the truth, they know there's a heaven, they know there's a hell, they know that he is coming back. They know that judgment is coming. They're willingly ignorant. They've decided in their minds that I won't accept that. I'll just go the other direction. These are people that are sign of scoffers. Number six is a sign of the beginning of sorrows. Matthew 24 and 6, and this is part of what I talked about during Daniel's, the sign of beginning of sorrows. You shall hear wars and rumors of wars, that ye shall not be troubled. See that you're not troubled, for all these things will come to pass, but the end is not yet. In other words, we're living in the hour when God is trying to prepare men to understand that the end's coming. Get ready. Luke 21 and 9 says, But when you shall hear of wars and commotions, be not terrified, for these things must first come to pass, but the end is not yet. Wars, rumors of war, commotion. Have we ever seen such chaos as we're seeing today all over the world, not just in one place, but everywhere? We're seeing chaos upon the face of the earth and wars of many nations and many peoples. Matthew 24 and 7 says, For nations shall rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes and in diverse places, different places. And all these are the beginning. We haven't even got to the tribulation yet, and we're already suffering from all the things that are taking place. Rulerships that are gone astray. Venezuela, where people are starving because their rulers are living like kings and taking their money and their ability to live away. Then you have bombs going off and explosions and terrorism and attacks that happen across the world, whether it's by gun, by bomb, by vehicle, or by knife. The hatred that is in the hearts of men and the rage that is in the souls of the ungodly that take lives without thought. We are living in that hour, and these are just the beginning of sorrows. Imagine what it will be during the tribulation if it is what it is right now. Luke chapter 21 and verse 10 and 11. Then said he unto them, Nation shall rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. Great earthquakes shall be in diverse places, famines, pestilences, fearful sights, and great signs shall there be from heaven. We're seeing that right now, just the pestilences, the famines, and, and the sickness that is upon us with just COVID-19. Did you ever think it would hit America? But hear me, folks, more people died from the uh, H1N1 than has died from COVID-19 in America right now. So what's the difference? The difference is we have a media who is displaying fear, chaos, confusion upon us when we should be standing on the foundation of Christ and him crucified, when we should be on our knees calling on the Lord to wipe this away when we should be crying out to his kingdom, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. That these earthquakes, these famines, these pestilences, these fearful sights, and these great signs from heaven and the earth, they're all just the beginning of sorrows, and we must endure until the end to be saved. Seventh, seventh there is the sign of perilous times. Second Timothy 3 two through five, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, 
false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures, more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such turn away. Men are lovers of their own selves. My, that's evident. Hollywood has taught us. The world teaches us you first. When God's kingdom teaches us him first, others second, and myself last. Covetous, always wanting what everybody else has. Boasters, my, I've never seen an age of ego and narcissism like the age we're living in right now. The proud, uplifted in themselves, blasphemers of God and everything that's righteous. Disobedient to parents. Isn't it amazing to see kids in stores controlling grown people, falling to the floor, kicking, screaming, and parents doing everything they can do to buy them something, to placate them, to get them out of the store? It needed to start in their home, not in Walmart. That's just a personal opinion. Unthankful, unholy. It's hard for kids to say thank you anymore. They believe they deserve it. They're entitled to it. That's the age in which we live, an entitlement age. Unholy is naturally seen in everything that goes amongst us from the ungodliness around us. Without natural affection, we've turned the beautiful making of Adam and Eve into the abomination of Adam and Steve. And now we have transgenderism, and they're trying to shove that into the military and every other particle and bathrooms that become confusing. Do you know they still show a male bathroom with a man with pants and a female bathroom is a woman in a skirt? Isn't that amazing that that's still the universal sign across the world of male and female bathrooms? And now they've got to create a third bathroom called transgender? You better believe it's confusing. Truce breakers. False accusers, incontinent, which is lacking of self-restraint, uncontrolled, fierce people. Have you ever seen the rage of this society, these, these riots? It just irks me every time I see the, the, the publication of these riots that is so uncalled for, the, the destruction, the burning of flags, and then they destroy uh, buildings that are liberal buildings. They burn Starbucks. My God, that's the most liberal coffee house in the world. And they're burning Starbucks. I don't understand. But it's the rage of the age in which we live. Traitors, heady, willful, rash, high-minded, belief in their superior knowledge, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. We'll spend the money to go on vacations, but we won't spend the money to teach our children what they need to know having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. And the Bible says, literally, turn away from it. And that's what we have to do as the church is turn away. The basic cause of all the above corruption that I just mentioned is literally a self-centered generation. Romans chapter 1 and verse 25 says, who have changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. And when we exalt the creature, and we've turned to humanism, we become gods of ourselves, and therefore have no need 
of the God that created us and breathed into us the breath of life. There's the sign of Laodicea, number eight, Revelation 3, 14. Under the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, these things saith the amen, the faithful, the true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. The church of Revelation has probably had its members in every age of the church from that time, but never like it does at the end time today. The Laodicean church is the last church in the age history of the church itself in Revelation chapter 3. Revelation 3 and 15 says, I know thy works, that you're neither cold nor hot, but I would that you were cold or hot. So then because you're lukewarm, neither cold nor hot, I will spew you out of my, literally vomit you out of my mouth. Laodicea is the disease of lukewarmness. You're neither hot nor you're cold. You're neither in nor you're out. You're there, but you're indifferent. You're indisposed. You just don't really feel the fervency. You don't feel the urgency. It's just church. And the church is in a state of lethargy. Revelation 3.17 says, Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. Why should I get desperate? I've got everything I need. There's no need for that. Thou knowest that thou art, thou knowest not that thou art wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. So in other words, when God sees us, it's not our riches, our increase, and our blessings. It's not our fact that we think we need nothing. He sees us as we are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. I don't want God to see me that way. I want to be a hot burning flame of fire and work in the kingdom of God. I don't want to just show up for church, sing a few songs, hear a little word, go home and turn the TV on. I want to, I want to know him. I want to walk with him. I want to be fervent and I want to tell people about the coming of the Lord and witness to them of the death, burial, and resurrection. I want to win a soul to Jesus Christ. Revelation 3 and 20 says, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him. Himself. That, that means the church has Jesus on the outside and self on the inside. He's knocking to get in. He's desperate to do a move amongst us. But we've got to be willing to open the door. This is the only church depicted in Revelation of him being on the outside and everybody else on the inside. That worries me. Jesus must be the center of everything in the church. The tabernacle was placed in the center, in the midst, and all the 12 tribes encamped round about it. That's how Jesus has to be, and that's how the church is. When I was growing up, the church was the most important thing in everybody's life. Not Walmart, not the mall, not pleasure, not vacations. Not staying at home watching TV, but the church was the central focus. And you came to church every time the doors were open and you pleaded the blood of God over your family and lost loved ones. You bring people to church to pray them through to the Holy Ghost and to see them healed and delivered under the hand of God. The church of Laodicea simply watches. I don't want to be a watcher. I want to be a participator in the kingdom of God. 
There is a sign of shaking, number nine. Haggai says that there will be a shaking among all nations. And desire of all nations shall come. I will fill this house with glory, saith the Lord. So God's going to shake the heavens, the earth, the sea, and the dry land of all nations. Look at Hebrews 12, 26 and 27. Whose voice then shook the earth, but now he hath promised, saying, Yet once more I shake not only the earth, but the heavens. And this word, yet once more, signifying the removing of those things that are shaken, as of things that are made, that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. This shaking will decide whether you will remain in the church. The shaking that is upon us even now is deciding for some people whether they'll return to church when the doors are open. This shaking will decide whether they are sold out to the kingdom of God or whether they will just simply float away down the river of indifference. We've got to understand that God is shaking us not to drive us out and not to put us to sleep, but to awaken us. Now it is time, high time, to awake out of sleep, for the hour of his coming is at hand. We must be aware that when God is shaking this world, he is shaking it for the understanding that we who are built on the foundation of Christ and him crucified, upon this church I will build my, upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not. The only thing that's going to stand in this last day is the true church of Jesus Christ. You need to get in it. I need to get in it with all of my mind, heart, soul, and strength. There's a tenth sign, which I'll not get into in this session, which is the sign of the fig tree. I'll save that for a letter lesson because it is a lesson by itself. But I want to commend you that there is signs of the times that are around us right now and very evident, and we should take a very good notice, open our eyes, open our understanding, and know Jesus is coming. Am I ready? Is my family ready? Is my loved ones ready? Is my neighbor ready? And if they're not, I need to be shaken awake, and I need to bring them to Jesus Christ and pray them through to the salvation that he affords. God bless you. Thank you for listening. Special thanks to those who give generously to this ministry. It is because of you that this ministry is possible. You can visit our website or church app if you would like to give. And if you enjoyed this podcast, you can subscribe, like and share it with your friends, and tag us on social media. Because we want to witness with you what God is doing in your life. Thank you, and God bless.